this is Speaking of Psych with Sara and Leah and this is our third episode where we're covering speaking of depression. We are on Zoom again and the audio might be a bit weird, sorry about that. Yeah, it's quite prominent in society and we had a lot of suggestions about how we could cover this. So before we start, I just wanted to go over what we'll be covering in this podcast. So first of all, the difference between sad and depressed, then the types of depression and the symptoms, followed by the actual science behind it. And then finally, how to help your friends or yourselves, popular questions and personal recounts from anonymous followers. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Sadness is just a typical emotion that you experience in situations of loss, change, difficult life experiences, and depression is more of a condition that exists without triggers and tends to linger to the point of needing treatment. So it's more than just the occasional sadness and involves periods of hopelessness, emptiness, helplessness, and problems focusing on concentration. In general, sadness is commonly occurring when you have an issue that makes you feel for lack of a better words, unhappy. And it typically has a stimulus for it, whereas depression doesn't need to have a reason. There could be a traumatic life event that causes it, but typically once you have been diagnosed with depression, you don't necessarily need a reason to feel the symptoms that we'll be covering later on. So moving on, that just brings us to the types and recognizing symptoms of depression in friends. So as we go through the different types, we'll be explaining what they are and the symptoms. Definitely something to look out for are the different symptoms and if you can recognize them in friends of yours, because that can really help you figure out how to help people you know, or even in yourself. If you find that you relate to a lot of the symptoms, that could be a warning that you might be feeling a little bit more than just sad, and it could be leaning towards depression. We're gonna go over two of the main types. The first one is major depressive disorder. MDD is one of the most common mental health disorders in the US. It affects 7.1% of adults in the country and it's more likely to develop in females than males. The difference between persistent and major depressive disorder are the duration of time. So some common symptoms of major depressive disorder, not all of them have to be present at the same time for a doctor to diagnose the issue. People do say that you shouldn't say you have depression unless someone has diagnosed it, but also then it's important to recognize the fact that not everybody has someone to diagnose it for them, and you shouldn't disregard the way that you're feeling just because you haven't had a formal diagnosis. So back to the symptoms. Having depressed moods that last for more than a day or having less interest or pleasure in most or all activities, fatigue, feeling worthless or guilty and having difficulty concentrating or making major life decisions. So you might also unintentionally be losing or gaining a significant amount of weight, having trouble sleeping or sleeping too much. Essentially you have the two different types. You have the psychomotor agitation, which is more about the physical symptoms that you might be feeling. And then you have psychomotor impairment, which is more about the way that you think. When you move on to persistent depressive disorder, it's a consistent, almost continuous long-term form of depression. People who have PDD tend to lose interest in normal daily activities. They feel hopeless, lack productivity, and a general feeling of inadequacy. PDD in an adult has to have lost the two years. And the symptoms tend to overlap with MDD. As I said before, the only 
difference is the duration, whether it's episodes or just long-term feeling depressed. Persistent depressive disorder has two different types, which is high-functioning and low-functioning depression, which we'll go on to explain now. So while depression is actually very common, the way that people experience it is extremely varied. Depression may inhibit the desire for an activity and action, but high-functioning individuals tend to forge ahead in an effort to succeed with goals. People with high-functioning depression tend to move towards getting things done. If you have high-functioning depression, you can often pass as a mental state of mind and that can actually be quite harmful because a lot of the times people then tend to invalidate their depression because they think that, oh, if I can get these tasks done, you know, if I'm able to tick off this list, despite how I might be feeling, I must not have depression. But something to definitely recognize and something that was brought up by an anonymous listener is that people with high functioning depression are able to make it seem like they're functioning normally, functioning okay, but inside they can be quite broken up. Something especially to recognize with people who suffer from high-functioning depression is that they tend to invalidate their feelings as well. If someone opens up to you about the fact that they're depressed, although they might seem like they're doing okay, do note that that could be high-functioning depression. A lot of people who do have high-functioning depression are famous as well. We know that Winston Churchill, Emily Dickinson, Owen Wilson, all these people do have high-functioning depression, yet they have accomplished so many things. Don't base someone's depression on how they're feeling according to what they've accomplished. So of course that means that then a good day with depression can be considered as a normal day for people who have a stable mental being. But a bad day takes large amounts of energy to get through, so even if they are able to get through their everyday tasks, the energy that's required to do them is so much more than other people because they have to fight so much to get up and to do what's expected. If you see someone who is struggling to get through things they maybe don't normally struggle with, it might be a bad day for them and it's important to help them with that and we'll go on to this later on how you can help your friends. But definitely looking out for people who have high functioning depression should be emphasized now because a lot of people don't even realize that it is still very, very serious even if they are able to get the everyday tasks done. Yeah, so now we're gonna move on to the science aspect of it. We know that depression is very much genetic as well. So a person with a first degree relative who has suffered from depression tend to have an increase in risk for the condition from 1.5% to 3% over the normal. So if you know that you have a relative or a parent who does suffer from depression, make sure that your parents know, especially if your parents have suffered from depression in the past, it could be easier to open up to them. Sorry, just to quickly add on to that, I was once talking to someone and they felt guilty for having depressive thoughts because they believed that they came from quite a privileged background and they completely invalidated the way that they're feeling because they said that they had no reason to feel that way and that we need to recognize is wrong because it isn't necessarily just about what has happened in your life yes okay it can be caused by stressful life events or medications that you're taking but one major cause is simply just genetic vulnerability so as Leah said, although environment does have a lot to play with it, for depression is a lot more based on the chemical side of things, so there's no reason to feel guilty about having depression or feeling depressed in any way. A lot of the time it's more about the way that your brain functions. 
So moving more on to the scientific side of things, areas that play a significant role in depression are the amygdala, the thalamus and the hippocampus, which are all different regions in your brain. So actually research has shown that the hippocampus is smaller in some depressed people. A study that used an MRI scan and was published in the Journal of Neuroscience showed that the hippocampus was 9% to 13% smaller in people who had been diagnosed. As we said, chemicals come into play a lot in depression. So scientists identified that many different neurotransmitters play a significant role in depression. So one of them is serotonin obviously regulates sleep, appetite, mood, inhibits pain, low levels of serotonin can definitely lead you feeling more depressed and exaggerating symptoms of depression especially when it comes to serotonin getting a good night's rest i'm not saying that that's going to solve any mental health issues you have but it could definitely help play a role in how they affect to make sure you get enough sleep make sure you eat the right food things like that you can implement into your daily life just to make your life a bit easier when you do struggle with depression Norepinephrine also constricts blood vessels and raises blood pressure and it can help determine motivation and reward. As a result of the constricted blood vessels and the raised blood pressure, it can induce anxiety attacks which has a major link with depression. A lot of depressive episodes suddenly hit you and make you feel completely unmotivated, like you don't deserve any reward, etc, etc. Finally, dopamine, it's essential to movement, motivation, how a person perceives reality. So low dopamine levels can definitely contribute to depression. Problems with low dopamine levels lead to hallucinations, delusions. It is also involved in the brain's reward systems, though so it's thought to play a role in substance abuse. So therefore, dopamine does play a huge role in depression. If you tend to lean towards drugs to help you deal with anxiety, depression, it does play a huge role in that as well. I think it's really important to learn about these different neurotransmitters, even if you're not studying psychology or biology. Knowing how your brain works and the chemicals that are involved can just simply make things seem more scientific. So that pretty much sums up the science that we wanted to cover today, which then brings us on to how you can help if you either know someone that's suffering from depression or is suffering from depression yourself. So first of all, how to take care of yourself. The first thing that I thought was quite important to stress is that if you need to wallow, then wallow, but do it constructively. So sometimes crying it out can be really important because it helps you work through a lot of your emotions. It helps you release so much. That being said though, make sure it is constructive. The next thing that you should be doing is just assessing the parts instead of generalizing the whole. So while you are allowing yourself to feel this way, instead of letting it consume you as it is, taking it apart and breaking it down and understanding what has made you feel this way will help you solve your depression in the long term. So that's just one suggestion of how you can help yourself. Yeah, and also setting attainable goals, reward efforts, and creating a list of activities that you know you enjoy. 30 to 60 minutes away from work or stress a day can really help you bring down your symptoms of depression. Exercising, enough sleep, everything that you do in your daily life does strongly affect how you feel. So I know that people with depression, especially people with low-functioning depression, they do tend to not have the energy and not be able to get up and get things done. I think that if you can, definitely set some time aside for exercising, extra sleep, just doing things you know will make you feel better. Although that is a bit of a short-term 
fix the problem as long as it makes you feel a bit better in the moment. I think that just implementing those new day-to-day lives can make depression so much easier. And if you're at that point where you really just don't have the energy, making sure that you are spending at least a half hour away from the things that are stressing you out, whether that's simply just having dinner or going for a walk or just sitting and listening to some music, time away from whatever it is that is stressing you out is essential to making sure that you don't end up falling down this rabbit hole of self-pity. We got a lot of questions asking us about how to recognize symptoms of depression in friends and we're going to go into that a tiny bit later but right now if you want to help your friends I suggest listening to them. A third person in the situation can really help solve the issue, support therapy and recognize when to encourage it and also let them know that they're always there for them. Having that company can actually really help people with depression just know that they have someone to lean on. Although if you are suffering from a mental health issues yourself, remember to take care of yourself. But if you think that you have the ability and you to help a friend, do check in on them, learn about depression and extend loose invitations and patience if your friends try to stay in their house a lot more because of their depression. Don't get mad at them, obviously be patient, but let them know that you're always there for them. Calling is always a good idea. They can decline when they want to. Don't get mad if they decline. But I think just in general, letting them know that you're there for them is a really big helper in the situation. Loose invitations is such a great way to let them know that you're there and you have patience for if they aren't feeling well enough to get to the activity that you guys plan. Just saying, oh hey, you know, this weekend if you would like, why don't we go and do this? It's up to you, just let me know how you're feeling. Just making sure that you are constantly letting them know that you know it's okay that they might not have the energy then and there to meet up. Constantly extending these loose as such invitations just lets them know that you are thinking about them and when they do feel well enough to go out, they have that option to do that. Especially when it comes to friends, um, allow them to feel the way they're feeling but also try not to force feelings of happiness onto them because it could make them feel like you don't want them to be sad around you and for them to be able to be comfortable around you is a big part of helping a friend. And finally this brings us on to common questions and personal accounts. So one common question, can it be triggered by having other health issues? 100% having other health issues such as a thyroid problem can trigger mental health issues such as depression. So when you go to a healthcare professional about possible depression, they might ask you to do a blood test to rule out other things such as thyroid because the symptoms overlap so much with a lot of purely physical medical issues. And I think especially when it comes to hormonal issues like thyroid, those hormones, if they are impacted in any way, they can heavily affect the neurotransmitters in your brain, they can heavily affect your mood. So I know especially with thyroid, if you have thyroid issues and they give medication to help that, you can see that your depression might be lowering, but Obviously, no one knows for sure you have to go to a healthcare professional to ensure that the hormonal issues and the hormonal part of it is not impacting your depression. The final question that we got quite often is how to recognize sign of depressions from your friend. So something that you can look out for, not just in yourself, but in other people, is whether they are lacking interest, whether they are exceptionally tired, tend to nap a lot or can't sleep at night, whether they zone out and don't laugh at the jokes that you make or necessarily join in conversation 
if it seems to be taking them a lot of effort to participate and they aren't doing things such as responding to texts as much as they used to, these can be signs of depression. Of course, it's not 100% that they do have depression if these are the symptoms, but it is something to watch out for. And if you are recognizing this, the best course of action is to talk to them about it and say, hey, you know, I've noticed this. Are you okay? I just want to check in on you. Is everything all right? And let them know that you are there for them. Moving on from the questions onto our anonymous replies, we did send out a survey asking anyone if they wanted to share anything or any experiences they have had with depression. The first one was that they wanted to raise awareness about how it's difficult to take care of yourself when you're in a depressive slump, how it's hard to shower, brush your teeth. That's completely normal to people who don't struggle with depression, but it's an extremely hard task for people who do. Leah mentioned this earlier, to be careful what you comment on because you never know the backstories, you never know what's happening behind the scenes. Don't make comments on anyone's look. A good rule to go by is if they can't change it in five seconds, just don't comment on it. So going on from that, another thing that you should 100% live by is the ideal that you don't know what somebody is dealing with at home, behind closed doors. Even if they seem like the world's happiest person, that might all be an act. It might just be a front that they've put on. So you should never treat somebody without recognizing that if you are say mean to a particular person because they've been nasty to you there might be a reason that they were nasty to you in the first place and although it takes a lot of willpower the best course of action is to simply ignore it and as people say i mean like treat everyone with kindness because you never know what else they could be dealing with and that little action of kindness might be what makes or breaks their day okay so moving on the third anonymous thing that we got Quote, I think when boys express their emotions, especially on the topic of depression, it isn't taken as seriously. This could be due to society or the way they express it, but certainly with myself, when I speak up about it, it gets shoved to the side. And yet there are girls making TikToks about their supposed depression and get so many comments like, stay strong, I just don't get it. Unquote. I just want to interrupt there. If you're making TikToks as a way of coping, definitely go ahead and do it. But I think the male aspect of it is really important. Yeah, definitely one thing to recognize is the difference in the genders of how mental health is treated. For years on years on years, men have been told like, no, you can't cry, no, you can't feel this way. You're supposed to be the strong man of the house, supposedly. That, of course, is not true. They're not chemically built different to not have the effects of dopamine, of serotonin, or acetylcholine, or everything that we mentioned, they are definitely susceptible to changes in chemical imbalances, and even if it can be more likely in women than men, it does not disregard that men do feel this way as well. Something to just keep in mind, if you have a younger brother, or an older brother, or any male in the family checking in on them, being like, hey, are you okay? It's okay to talk about your feelings, I'm here for you, let me know if you need any help it might seem like okay yes you're just one person checking in on somebody in your family but if everybody does this society as a whole will be so much better looked after because looking after 50% of our population is not enough we need to make sure that we're taking care of everybody equally we've only recently started making strides towards letting men know that them and their emotions are completely valid even our last generation of parents they still live by the, the rule of like men can't cry which is completely wrong I'm really glad we are starting to make strides towards allowing both genders obviously feel 
when it comes to men, they are much less likely to seek help because they invalidate their own feelings due to the fact that they're given the message that they aren't allowed to show emotions. They're supposed to be strong. They're supposed to be the leaders of the family or whatever. I think that's completely wrong. We are trying to change that. And I think definitely letting your friends or, as Leah said, younger brothers, cousins, or anyone you know around you, letting them know that it's okay to feel emotions. And if they are struggling with depression, it's completely fine to seek help because it is not something to be ashamed of, whether a man or a woman. There's nothing wrong with seeking help from a mental illness. Moving on, the fourth recount that we got quote it's hard to get over the feeling of depression when it's instigated by another person when it becomes a mix of anxiety and depression you feel okay for a second but once you're left alone the feeling of misery comes back your mind is clouded by the most bizarre things and you find it hard to pick yourself back up and move forward i faced depression and still am post a really challenging relationship It's sometimes hard to realise what you are dealing with, especially when it's been going on for such a long time. Why do people think it's okay to play with others' feelings?" Essentially, this person is saying that someone hasn't taken their feelings into account and hasn't realised the impact that it can have on somebody else's life, which links perfectly back into what we were saying before, and you should never treat somebody in a way that you should not want to be treated. I know this is such a primary school moral that we get taught, But it is so important. Unfortunately, this person has found themselves depressed solely because of an issue that somebody else has brought up. This person who may have been the most happiest person before is now feeling certain ways and they don't know why that is. And that's horrible. We already have people who are feeling this way because of things that they can't help. Knowing that there are people in the world who are then doing things to make other people feel this way intentionally is horrific and it's definitely something that we should look out for and look around for in society today. One little thing I wanted to add was that I really like the fact that you guys are coming in with a little bit more emotion because Leah and I are going to go through a lot of the mental disorders that we know exist in the next couple of weeks but because we're only two people the things we say and the content we have is mostly through research and asking different people. It's really important to get other people's personal opinion on these things because we're going mostly through research. Now on to the last response. Quote, I'm not sure if this counts, but I have long periods of time, like weeks or months, where getting out of bed in the morning is a struggle. I used to self-harm as a punishment for not getting enough done because I was lazy or didn't have motivation. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Don't assume things. Unquote. I think that this person is trying to say the exact same thing a lot of other people are saying was that especially people with high-functioning depression, when they get out and get into the world, they tend to be seen as people who are just completely fine, but obviously there's a lot more going on behind closed doors, don't assume things. I think this personal recount is someone who suffers from low-functioning depression because something as simple as getting out of bed becomes a struggle. Sometimes if you do suffer from depression, you feel like you can't get through this. Even if you can do one simple step as like washing your face or applying this certain thing, the one smallest thing, putting in that tiny bit of effort, can have such a positive impact because you should be proud of yourself for doing that one little thing. Even if you don't have the energy to, as someone mentioned before, brush your teeth or wash your face. Just getting out of bed, if you know that you are suffering, if you are going through a hard day, you should be proud of yourself for doing that one action because it is a step towards recovery and a step towards feeling happy again 
on TikTok. I know not everyone has TikTok, but a lot of people do. There are a couple of TikToks to get out of bed with me. People who do suffer from depression make these TikToks to help people just so that they know they're in company with people who are going through the exact same thing. You can find someone who's getting out of bed and doing what they need to do and it could give you a little bit more motivation to get out of bed. And I know it's hard, but if you think that can help you, it's definitely something you can do. I'm sure there's a lot of YouTube videos out there as well. So that pretty much sums up our episode for today. I hope you guys found this helpful if you stayed this far. And definitely educating yourself about issues like this is going to be such a prominent thing in society today because of the awareness that is happening in the movements that are being stimulated throughout our society. Next week, we will be covering speaking of eating disorders, where we'll look at bulimia, anorexia, and things like that. So if you do have any suggestions, don't hesitate to reach out through our Instagram account or through any other means. Look out for the survey that we'll send out where you can tell us your own anonymous accounts that we can talk through and raise awareness about.